All right. I'm going to have a strange way of <laughs> those of you who know me. <laughs> um, so Victor asked me what was on my heart, and um, I think that's one of the neat things about teaching from time to time instead of every week, uh, as Victor graciously does for us. Uh, is that it's just kind of a snapshot into where you are at the moment. And um, these verses, there's a verse, uh, which you guys are probably familiar with. You probably all know what that scripture reference is, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that is beyond familiar. It's just, uh, wow, for years, it's just been sort of a, uh, one of the primary sort of uh, anchors or things but for some reason, this verse has just been really, really on my mind and heart a lot this past year. In fact, it's funny, as I was starting work this morning, looking back over some of my, um, I call it a compass, Franklin Covey calls it a compass, and it's got some verses on it and things like that, and I, and I noticed that even as early as the beginning of this year, I had put this verse down, and I, I, I knew that through the spring and summer that this had just been on my mind a lot. But the other thing that's interesting, and I'm just going to, you know, ask you to bear with me. I mean, it's, you know, it's me, so it won't surprise any of you. Um, it's not just this verse, but it's the way I've been thinking about this verse, uh, these two verses. It's two verses. Um, and you guys know, any of you who know me know I'm mountain bike. I love to mountain bike. And, and, and for some reason, and I, a lot, I pray a lot while I ride. It's, it, to me, I've said mountain biking is my deer stand. I'm not a hunter. But, but I have a feeling there's, that people who are hunters we would understand it's this quiet, peaceful place. Um, and I pray a lot. And, and, and I've been thinking about these two verses a lot as I ride because there's a lot of parallels when it comes to trusting and riding a bike. And the other thing that there's a lot of parallels about that I want to share that's been on my heart is this idea of a path and a trail and not only do I love riding a bike, I also love working on trails. So there's some trails in my neighborhood, and I go out, and I, I, I work on them, and I maintain them, and I clear brush. And as I've been doing that, just, these verses have just taken on sort of a new life. And that's what I hope to just share with you guys. In fact, it's funny. Um, one of the things you, yeah, that Victor says a lot of times, he says, you know, i got to ride with the Lord on this. i got to ride with the Lord. And, and so... Even that little statement to me, I was thinking, well, I'm going to ask you guys to ride with me tonight. I'm going, to, I'm going to take you on some trails with me and tell you what I was thinking and, and what God's just put on my heart. And I do hope that my prayer tonight is not, and, and I know this is Victor's heart, I know it's Brian's and David's, any of you guys who teach, uh, Jonathan, is not that, that, that you have, that you can take a test on the verses, but it's that you're, you're intimately closer and you're walking closer and you're experiencing God in a greater way. That's, that's my heart. So, um, and, and, and as I start, I, I felt like, um, you know, these verses are so familiar that uh, I had a picture in my mind. It's only two verses. It's 27 words. And I had in my mind that, you know, this is a lot of time for 27 words, but I kind of figured it was almost like taking some clay. If you've ever seen modeling clay from Hobby Lobby or something, when you first get it, it's, it's, it's pretty hard. But if you work it long enough and you kind of mess with it and stuff, it just starts to warm up. And, it, and I kind of feel like tonight, the, the way I want to approach this is just to kind of work these 27 words and these verses and, and just, just kind of look at them in different ways and and, 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 and hopefully they just soften in my heart. My hope is that all of us, me included, will walk out again with some very familiar verses being um, uh, uh, having a, a, an impact on how we live and, and how we know our, our, our Father. So let me get started. So to start with, um, let me see if, if I can make this thing work. I guess turning it on would be step one. Okay. So let me, this is kind of funny, but let me show you how I want to approach these verses, okay? So the, this is 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's, the, that's what we're talking about tonight. But what I want to do is I want to talk about trusting first, okay? Um, and, and to me, trusting and leaning are, um, are very similar. So I want to talk about those together. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, this is how I'm going to talk about this verse, okay? So I just wanted to prepare you for what I'm about to do. So I'm going to talk about trusting in the Lord and, and not leaning on your own understanding because, again, there's, there's trusting and leaning. There's the Lord and my understanding, and I want to talk about that. And then I want to talk about this word all. It is a huge word. And so I wanted to put all your heart and all your ways together, and I want to talk about that together. I want to talk about how important all is. And then I want to talk about what it means to acknowledge him, and then I want to talk about paths, okay? So that's how I'm going to approach this. So it's just a little disclaimer that I'm kind of shifting things around just a little bit in the way that I'm going to talk about this. So having said that, um, uh, I'm going to start with... Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And I think this will be the, the biggest part, so don't get afraid. But there's kind of four things in this area of trust that I want to talk about. First of all, I just want to talk about what trust, what, what does it mean to trust? And that, that may sound silly, but I want, to, I want to wrestle with that. I want to wrestle with trust and believe and faith and lean. And what, what does that mean? Because again, I think not only this verse, but some of these words as Christians, they just become so wrote and they they're they're just so familiar to us that they lose the 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 sweetness or the resonance or the impact that they could have. So I want to talk about what does it mean to trust. And number two, I want to talk about the difference in trusting God for fill in the blank and trusting God period. I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about towing each other in and I'll I'll explain that later. That's a bicycle thing. And I'll explain. You're going to get more bicycle stuff than you really want tonight. So I just, I ask your patience with that. But we're going to talk about towing each other in. And then last, um, I, we're going to discuss, and this will not take long, the difference in the Lord and my understanding. That'll be a short discussion. So that's where we're headed. So what does it mean to trust? And this is just the way I'm wired at work and everywhere. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a detail person. I like... I, I'm not a detailed person, but I, I, I looked into, I kind of was looking at those words and how many times they occurred, and, and boy, you can get it, my goodness, the number of different Hebrew words and Greek words that are used for trust and believe, and there's a lot there, and you can find a word in Hebrew or Greek for trust and find that it's translated these eight different ways, and I started looking at all that, and, and here's what I'm going to say about, about those words. To me... This is my understanding as an almost 60-year-old man and a, about a 55-year-old Christian. Um, faith and belief are huge. I mean, they are cornerstones, right, of the Christian life. Without faith, it's impossible to believe him. I, I'm sorry. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Um, whoever believes in him shall be saved. These are massive things. And yet, to me, this idea of trust is more ground level. And I don't know if that, I want to I try to convey that. Trust is something that I do. Trust is something that um, is, in fact, it's a verb. Faith is, is a noun. It's this thing. And, and I loved in that song. And thanks, Emily, for those songs. They were great. And I like that idea, you know, give me faith to trust you. And I think they're very connected. So it's like faith is this pool of something. But until I act on it, it's just a pool of something. And, and, and trusting is where faith becomes uh, animated. It's where faith becomes active, in my opinion. To me, trust is faith in action. That's just... I don't have a, uh, a theological explanation for that or a, a word study, but for me, faith, which is critical, it's still less 
tangible to me than, than, than trust. And I'll give you some examples of that. So there's two, there's an example that I've always used when I think about what, what does it mean to exercise faith? And then there's one I want to share with you about bikes. The first one is just an airplane, but this is so important. And again, the reason I harp on this, the reason I'm making a deal about this, I really do believe a lot of people think, and, and, and a lot of people think that our faith has power. That in other words, that, that my faith can move mountains, but it can't. God can move a mountain if I have faith in him, but my faith can't move a mountain. My faith connects me to God, but that's an important distinction. And I think, I think even our enemy can want us to put confidence in our faith instead of confidence in God. And so a picture I like to use is sitting at an airport, plane's about to depart, and I have faith in the pilot, and I have faith in the ground crew, and I have faith in the mechanics, but I don't get on the plane. So the plane will take off and leave, and it will go where it goes. But, so, so what, but, but if I get on the plane, I'll go and I will enjoy the benefits of what that pilot and that ground crew and all those people can do. And the point that I want to make is that what, what, what faith does and what trusting does is, is, to me, it gets me out of my seat. It caused me to walk down the jetway and get on the plane. My faith has nothing to do with whether that plane is safe. My faith has nothing to do with whether I will get to my destination. It has to do with me getting on the plane. Whether I'll get to the destination or any of that has to do with the pilot and the mechanics and the power of the plane. So I, I, the thing I want you to understand, and this is huge to me, is that my faith in God is critical for me to experience all that he and the power of the Holy Spirit can do, but it, it, it connects me to him. It's his power. It's not mine. I'm I'm powerless. With or without faith, I'm powerless. But, but faith connects me to him. The, the, the other illustration, I mean, here we go. We're going to begin with the bike examples. But uh, one of the things, um, I work for Michelin, and we make bike tires, and I've got Michelin bike tires on my bike. And one of the things, and, and, and the difference in trusting a bike tire and trusting God is there are limits to the bike tire. There are no limits to God, so there's a, there's a difference. <laughs> But, but what I've noticed, and again, I think about these things as I ride, is if I'm coming to a, to a corner fast, it's a little scary. And a lot of times I hit the brakes and I slow down because I'm afraid to make that corner. But I've found a lot of times that I can, I can go faster than I thought. And again, this is the point I want to make. How much I trust the tires has nothing to do with how well they hold. That's, that's a done deal. They either will or won't hold me. But how fast I am able, what I experience when I ride has everything to do with my faith and my trust. See, I, I, can, I can go two miles an hour and never slip. It won't be very fun, and I'll never fall. But the tires are capable of a lot more. And, and so when I trust those tires, and I go through a corner hard, it's exhilarating. And, and that is such a picture to me of the Christian life. <laughs> I feel like, you know, God wants us to have abundant life. He, does, he doesn't want us to, you know, eek around the, he wants us to enjoy the ride of this life. And he can hold us. Uh, he, will, he will not slip, Right? And, and, and my trust in him allows me to, when I trust him, I can experience that. And when I don't trust him, I don't experience it. But his capability is unchanged. Just like those tires, they, 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 they'll hold if I trust them. And it, it, it's, it's funny. I, they, these verses have just been coming to life as I'm riding around. So, that's the picture I want to give you. The other thing I want to mention real quick is that, and, and, and there are every person, every human being, every agnostic, every atheist, every Buddhist, every Christian, 
Every, every human being is a person of faith. I want to be absolutely clear about that. We, we, we take, we, and I know what we mean when we say we're a person of faith. I know what we mean. But in a practical way, and, and you know, the world looks at, oh, faith, and everyone lives by faith. Every person in the airport gets on that plane by faith. 100%. Nobody gets on it knowing the pilot. Nobody gets on it knowing the mechanic. Nobody gets on it knowing if it's safe. No one. They all do it by faith. And it's only the, the, the safety is, once they're on the plane, they're on the plane. It's either safe or it's not. And I just, I want to make that point because, again, I, I think it's important for us to understand that we are all people of faith. I, I believe with all my heart that Christian faith is rational faith. All the other faith is irrational faith, but it's all faith. We're all trusting something. We are. When, 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 when we get in our car, when we buy a hamburger, when we go to the drugstore and pick up a prescription, we don't know what's in those bottles. I mean, we don't. We didn't see it. It's all by faith. So it's, what, it's who and what we put our faith in that makes the difference. And we have nothing to do with the, the power or the strength or anything. It's just, are we, but, but the thing is, are we connecting to someone worthy of our faith or are we connecting to someone or something that's, that's going to let us down and, and, and hurt us? So I wanted to make that point. So let me, let me say this on the topic of trust and faith. I believe God loves us so much and his heart for us is to, um, I'm going to make sure I keep track of what time it is. And so, um, he, he wants us to experience life that's truly life. He wants us, he wants the best for us. And I believe that he knows that trusting in him is critical to that. Now, a lot of times trusting in him is, um, it doesn't, because we trust in him doesn't mean that the plane doesn't go down sometimes. Because we trust in him doesn't mean that it's not dark sometimes. I mean, but there is nothing better than trusting him. And he knows that. And so for that reason, he, I believe, when we have a heart that's not shaking a fist and saying, I'll do it my way. I'm going to have my way. When we have a heart that's willing to let him lead us and so forth, I believe he removes things that we might otherwise trust in. And um, I won't... Uh, so let me just read a little bit of this from Judges 7 2 through 7 because this is a story of Gideon and I just think this is a good picture of... Um, just God being good to Gideon in an odd way. So much of what God does is odd to the, to the world and even to us, but it's all good. So he says, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Let Israel claim glory for itself, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. It's like, wow. Ooh, that's more than half, right? That's, uh, that's like twice what was left. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom, you, of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. I love that story because 
And, 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 and I think the Bible's full of stories like that, and I think our lives are full of stories like that, where God intentionally takes things away. I, 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 I think of the verse when um, Martha and Mary sent and said, Lazarus is sick. And if you read that account, it says, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't have it here, but it says something to the effect that Jesus loved her and so he waited three days or something. And you think, wait, 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 wait a minute. I mean, I, I thought it would say Jesus loved her, so he ran as fast as he could. Or Jesus loved her, so he healed Lazarus from afar. Or whatever. But, but the, it's amazing. He says, it says he loved her. And so he did the thing she didn't want him to do. He did the thing that was hard and the thing that hurt and the thing that, but, but it's because he loved her. And I just see that in our lives so often that God lovingly takes things out from under us that we're leaning on that we shouldn't be leaning on because it's not good for us. He doesn't do it to be mean. He doesn't do it to, he does it just because he loves us, just because he cares for us. So um, let me, let me uh, move from there to this idea of trusting God for fill in the blank and just trusting God. So um, I didn't ask Sean, but I'll hopefully I just say, we, we've had a conversation at times um, and, and, and we're, we're wrestling with something hard, something really hard. And we'll, Sean, Sean sometimes will say, well, God, doesn't promise us. And it's like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't promise that we'll both be caught up in the rapture and not one of us be apart from each other at some point or die first or, or that something will happen to our kid. He doesn't promise that. There are things he promises, no question. There's great promises. But there's a lot of things we want that he doesn't promise. And and I'm not going to try to get into a whole, I know that prayer is powerful and that God says, ask for whatever you want. And I think we should. I think we should ask lavishly and ask frequently and ask honestly. But I think there's a difference in that and trusting him for X. I'm trusting him for healing or I'm trusting him for this or that. I need to just trust him. It's when I, when I put a word in that blank, when I put stipulations in that blank, I set myself up to be disappointed in him, angry in him, lose heart in him. But when I just say, God, I trust you, and I think about it, what better, there's, there's no better example. I mean, there's David and Abraham and all these, but what about Jesus? You know, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But, you know, not my will, but yours be done. You know, if, if Jesus is saying that, if that's how Jesus trusted his father, he said, this is what I want, and I know you're able, but whatever you decide. And I, and I think that's important. I, I think it's, for me anyway, it's dangerous to trust God for an outcome that maybe that's not what's best. Brian, I loved what you said the other day, and I love this about God's word. I love this about the body of Christ I've read through, I've been with Calvary Chapel a long time, and I've read through the Bible a number of times, and that contrast between Jonah and, help me, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, Jonah and Jeremiah. You know, this one man who wanted revival, prayed for revival, and it never happened. I'm sorry, this one, yes, and it never happened. And then this other man who didn't want revival, he wanted judgment and destruction, but revival happened. They were both kind of trusting God for a different thing, and God gave each of them the... But, but that, that's who God is. God decides that, right? And I, I love that picture because it reminds me that just because I ask for something and it doesn't happen doesn't mean God doesn't love me. God loved Jeremiah. God loved Jonah. And, and those things are helpful to me, and we're going to talk about... That's a, that's a perfect segue to, to this thing about towing each other in, but I'm not quite there. I want to read you, I want to read you a, uh, a little excerpt from a book. By the way, I would recommend it um, 
take it with a grain of salt. It's called Ruthless Trust by Brennan Manning. Um, I read it some time ago, and, and a couple weeks ago, knowing I was going to be speaking on this, I pulled it back out and, and, and went through it again. Oh, it's a good book. Um, no substitute for the Bible, but it, but, it, but, but it had some neat things to say. So I have two quotes tonight from it, and this is one of them. He says, the scandal of God's silence in the most heartbreaking hours of our journey is perceived in retrospect, looking back, as veiled, tender presence and a passage into pure trust that is not at the mercy of the response it receives. <laughs> you know... I, and, 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 you know, I'm, teach, I'm talking to myself because I want to trust like that, you know? Sometimes I do. A lot of times I don't. But I love that. Pure trust that is not at the mercy of the response it receives, which to me is that idea of not filling the blank in, right? It's, it's leaving that blank for God to fill in. So... All right, I want to talk about towing each other in. So here's the next bike analogy. Um, I have a friend named uh, Jeff um, that I met in the parking lot of a bike trail system. It's no surprise to people who know me. Sean never knows what friends I'm going to make at the grocery store or in the quick trip or wherever. But... Um, we've been riding together a good bit, and um, he and I both are very similar riders. We like the same type of thing. There's people who like... Anyway, we both like jumps and... We like to be in the air. Jeff and I like to be in the air. That's something that's common between the two of us. But Jeff's a little better at it than me, and, um, uh, but we're, we're, we're well-paired. But anyway, so, oh, I've got a picture. I've got a picture for this. Okay, so we were at Alatoona recently, and I wanted to go across that, but it was a little scary. And I walked up to it and looked at it and stood on the edge of it and looked out at how far it was before the dirt started again. But Jeff had done it. And Jeff, and so in, if you're around mountain bikers, you hear people say, would you tow me in? And what that means is, would you ride ahead of me, and I'll follow at your speed, knowing that you've done this before, and, and, and it is a, it's an amazing experience. And he did that for me on that uh, about a week and a half ago. And doing it by myself without him in front of me is really scary. I'm not sure if I'm going fast enough. I'm not, I just, but knowing that he knows what he's doing, I just followed him. And it was an awesome experience. It was great. And the reason I said it was a good segue, Brian, is that, man, I look out here tonight and just about everybody in here has towed me in in one way or the other, you know? And I, and I thought about discipleship. And I thought about as we as a body of Christ grow in faith and grow in trust, one of the ways we do it is we tow each other in. Those who have been down a road before, those who have walked in a place we haven't walked, tow us in. And it's, it's just an incredible picture because, again, I don't know, I am such a picture person, but it helps me. But, and as I'm riding out there, it makes me think of these kind of things. It makes me think, man, this is like, this is like walking through this situation, but this person helped me. I think about the men's breakfast, and, and I, get, I get towed in all the time with guys sharing their hearts and, and things like that. I, it, it's an incredible picture to me. And, and, and the practical aspect of how, by following Jeff, I was able to do something that I might have been able to do alone, but I might not. I might have crashed or I might have whatever. So I, that, that's what towing each other in is. And I think it's an incredible picture of discipleship. It's an incredible picture of this, the body that we enjoy together. And so I hope we tow each other in like crazy for the rest of our lives, you know? Um, so now the Lord versus my understanding. This does not need much commentary. Um, there, there's no competition, <laughs> you know, trust you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart 
And, and I really think you could either, you could say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and trust not in your own understanding. You could also say, lean on the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. To me, it's just a complete, they're, they're perfect comparisons. It's, are you going to stand, lean, rest your weight on the Lord or on your own understanding? So very quickly, three, three scriptures, Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's not a good way, you know? Um, 1 Corinthians 1.25, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Isaiah 55.9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. My, my point is just this, and this is obvious. My understanding is not a good place to lean, put my weight on. But I also don't want to diminish how hard it is not to do that. I, I do it all the time because I want to look at the situation and I want to understand it because it's scary to go forward when I don't understand it, you know? And it's a little bit like this. I didn't have to understand that because Jeff had already understood it for me. So he was a good picture of leaning on his understanding and not mine. He knew how to do it. And, and all I had to do was follow him. And, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to follow him and just trust. And I, but, but I know that's hard. I know that's not, but, but that's, oh, that's where the, I am so glad I did not leave there without having done that because it was incredible. It was awesome. But I, I, the Christian life, you know, it's like bodily discipline is of some value, but discipline towards godliness is of more value. Discipline of godliness is much better than that. And the experiences of walking with God and soaring through the air with him and leaping off things with him, that's what I want to do. But I have to trust him. So let me move on. Let me move on to all. Okay, so with all your heart, all your ways. And I'm not going to talk about heart and I'm not going to talk about ways other than to say that ways and paths are kind of the same, but that's not my point. I want to talk about all. And I'm going to give two, two bike examples real quick, and then I'm going to go into some verses that are much more substantial. But again, this helps me understand why all is important, okay? When I, when I talk to you about trusting a tire to make it around a corner, the downside of not trusting is that I go slow, right? I don't have as much fun. When I'm going off of a six-foot drop, the downside of not trusting is much bigger. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a drop I want to do in Bentonville. Sean's seen pictures of it, and my wonderful wife actually has sort of endorsed me trying it at some point, but it's probably about a 12 to 15-foot drop, and, and, it, and it drops onto a, a steep downhill. So, I mean, a 12 to 15-foot drop onto a flat ground would, would not end well. But a 12 to 15-foot drop onto a Slope is very doable. It's just scary. And when you're doing something like that, or even this, the, the last picture I had, the most important thing is not to slow down. If you touch your brakes right before you go off the edge, it will not end well. And this idea of all, all, not, not most, not part, and we're going to look at some verses that make it very clear from a spiritual standpoint. But when, when I'm riding, things that involve uh, two-dimensional motion, things that involve the laws of momentum, it's really, really important that I am all in, that I don't go at 80% or 90% because I'll get hurt if I do. And, and so again, it's funny, I was thinking, you know, around the corner, yeah, it's not as fun, but, but man, when it's some of these other things, this idea of trusting becomes a matter of hospital, no hospital, you know, blood and no blood, or scrapes and no scrapes. The other thing is, is a rock garden. So rock gardens are fun. Um, there's, there's one on the trails in my neighborhood, and it's, it's probably 12 or 15 feet of... It, it's near a culvert, and it's these pretty big rocks. And, and again, if you try to go through that slow, you will almost guaranteed fall. But if you go through it fast, even though it's crazy bumpy, the momentum that you have when you approach it 
it just, you just go over it. But if, but if you, when, when, you're, when you're jumping or dropping or rocks, it is all or nothing. You're, if you don't go full speed, you can't work your way up to it. You can't work your way up to those things. You have to, you know, and, and so anyway, the, the, the benefit of trusting God fully is huge. So let me read you some scriptures about that. Joshua 10, 28. On that day, Joshua took Makedah and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Makedah as he had done to the king of Jericho. And then I'm not going to read these all to you, but nine more times in chapters 10 and 11, the words none remaining or left none breathing are read, okay? So Joshua was, Joshua was all in. Joshua did all that the Lord asked. Joshua didn't stop. He didn't hit the brakes. He didn't almost do it. And then Joshua eleven twenty three says, so what was the result of that? Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. Now, if you go down to Joshua 13, 13, it says, nevertheless, and, and uh, shame on me, I, I, I think this is, I don't think this was under Joshua's leadership, but nonetheless, uh, the contrast, nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Gershurites or the Machathites, but the Gershurites and Machathites dwell among the Israelites to this day. Now, let me read a couple things from 2 Kings. So th this stuff from 2 Kings just is where I am right now. This is what I'm reading right now. And so as I've been preparing for tonight, and I've also been reading just in the mornings in 2 Kings, just it's like anything else. You know, if you have a Volkswagen and you see a Volkswagen passing, you notice it. So in 2 Kings, I'm noticing things that apply to this. So chapter 15, 1 through 4, in the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. And I'll, I'll skip mother's names and all that. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done. Anybody know what the next word is without looking at it? Huh? But, except. He did, it, he did everything that his father did, but... Except, and you see this throughout the book of Judges and First and Second Kings, except that the high places were not removed. Everything but, and, and, and that's the point about all. And um, then, I, then in Second Kings uh, 22, 1 through 2, Josiah was eight years old. It says he walked in all the ways of his father, David. He did not turn aside to the right or the left. Now, there were no kings of Israel who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Not many of the kings of Judah did what was right, and very few did everything. Most of them did what was right, but, right? And, and, and literally this morning, I didn't have this ready. I had printed all this up last night, but I added this because this morning I read this and I thought, wow, wow, listen to this. And, and I'm going to, before I read it, I'm going to reiterate that nine times in chapters 10 and 11 of Joshua 10, it says, none remaining or none left breathing, okay? 2 Kings 24, 13 and 14, and he, the king of Babylon, carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he cut in pieces all the articles of gold, which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord, as the Lord had said. Also, he carried into captivity all Jerusalem, all the captains, all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and smiths. None remained except the poorest of the land. And that just hit me. It's like, wow, because they left something undone, because they didn't leave none remaining, there ended up being none remaining of them. And I just thought, wow, that, what a... What a contrast that going almost all the way 
resulted in them losing everything. And there is so much at stake, and I'm not talking about our salvation being at stake, but I'm talking about experiencing life that's truly life, experiencing the abundant life that God wants us to have, all is a huge part of it. All is really important. Let's talk about acknowledging him. So let me, let me say this. In my mind, as good as Christian t-shirts are and as good as bumper stickers are, that does not constitute acknowledging God, Okay. I mean, we can kind of think it does, right? Put the sticker on the back. I've acknowledged him. Put, wear the T-shirt. And they're, and they're great. They honor him, I think. I think they honor him. But it's not acknowledging him in the way this means. And that's what I want to get at. So let me tell you what I think of when I think of acknowledge. And this has been a picture. I, I just have, a, I always have pictures. I have to have pictures to grasp things. But let's say that all of us in here are, are, are sitting around a table talking, having a good time, but Brian's not here. And we're talking and we're talking about fantasy football or we're talking about Pastor Victor's sermon or whatever, and Brian walks in. And we just keep talking. And he even sits down at the table and we just keep talking. We, we have not acknowledged Brian, right? We, we are living as if he's not there. He's there, but we are acting as though he may as well not be. We could even be talking about him, and we're, and, and we're not acknowledging him. But what if he walks in, and we immediately give him our attention? We, as we, suddenly, the conversation turns to what he's been doing, and, 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 and his presence changes what we're talking about, maybe even the mood, that's acknowledging Brian, right? The, the uncomfortable thing of acknowledging, you've seen, you know, sitcoms and things where somebody's talking about somebody and the person walks up behind them. And then when they realize it, they, they stop, every, you know. To me, acknowledging God is being consciously, not just aware in our mind, but just it's being with him. Because when, I, when we're with him, we will, we will think differently, we'll act differently, we won't be as afraid, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like, again, that Jeff taking me, I was not afraid going, I really wasn't. There was literally no fear going across that bridge with him ahead of me. But, but, but before he was it, was, it was scary. And to me, acknowledging God is a constant not just awareness, it's more than that. It's a constant interaction. It's a constant fellowship with him that changes fear to faith. It just changes, it changes um, how I think about how, to, how I treat people. It changes how I react when somebody cuts me off. It really does. I mean, if I really, really, really am fellowshipping with him I'll be thinking, well, that doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I, this, this world is passing away. This is, you know, it changes. It, that, that's, the, that's the point about trusting and about acknowledging and, and all is, is it, 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 it's not just concepts. It, it changes how we experience life. So um, I, I want to say this. I didn't really know where to put this in, but I wanted to mention this. In terms of thinking about riding bikes and this idea of trusting, knowing God, acknowledging him, when I started riding my mountain bike, um, it was really as a result of a doctor saying, you know, your cholesterol is a little high, your blood pressure is a little high, and I began doing it to avoid consequences. But today, I ride it because I love it. I don't care if I get healthier or not. I don't care if it prevents this or that. I'm glad it does. That's not why I do it. And, and that should be our relationship with the Lord. A lot of us probably started to avoid consequences, right? I mean, a lot of people is like, I don't want to go to hell. Or, I mean, for, for a lot of people, that's the, where it starts. But man, when you walk with him and you acknowledge him and you, 
you follow him in and all that, then it becomes just loving being with him. And the benefits are, that's nice that they're there, but that's, that's not why we are with him, you know? And so, again, I, I thought about that as I was writing. I thought, you know, I, I used to do this because it was good for me, and I, that is not why I do this anymore. Um, paths. Let me try to get through paths. I know it's late. Um, so, paths. Um, not, not only do I like riding, but I love working on these paths. I like it. I, I, we've got these trails behind our house, and I like maintaining the ones that were there, and I like making ones that weren't there. And I just enjoy it. It's, I, I really enjoy it. So let me just try to real quick share some thoughts about paths. So it says that if we trust the Lord, he'll direct our paths. Some of the versions say he'll make your path straight. And right off the bat, let me just say, there is no path in the Christian life that is straight from a geometric perspective, okay? There's not. They twist and wind and turn and go up and down and go backwards. Straight means right. Or just staying on the path, you know, is straight. So, but I, I'll be honest with you. You see this picture. The reason I put that picture up there, and I don't know what it is for you. I meant to kind of ask this at the beginning. You, you may be a golfer. You may be a camper. You may be a, I don't know. I don't know what picture animates you. But when I see a little patch of dirt in the middle of vegetation, I, I love that. I, it, that is my thing. And I actually thought I could have shown a picture of a really expensive carbon fiber full suspension bike. But you know what? If you gave me that in a big asphalt parking lot, I wouldn't be interested. This is what I enjoy. I enjoy that path. Now, the bike is a way I enjoy it, but I, but I enjoy the path. And so I was thinking about this verse that he's going to direct my paths. And there's some interesting things. One is, again, a lot of people in our world, they think that boundaries are restrictive. I don't want God's boundaries. I don't want to be tied down. I don't want his moral values the boundaries that God has set for us are like, if you go up to Road Atlanta and you watch, we're going to go to Petit Le Mans in a couple weeks. One of those race cars gets off that track. They aren't going fast anymore. They're not having fun anymore. They're not going to make any money. When you get off the path, things don't get better. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy how people think that the path is to be avoided but the path is where the blessing and the joy and the fun are. And I, um, so I was working on, when I don't work on the, the, the trails in my yard, in my backyard, it, there, there's about seven miles of trails. So it's, it's not a half a mile of trails. It's about seven miles of trails. And when I neglect them for a while, they, the, the weeds grow and trees fall. We have storms. Um, in fact, I think I may. Do I have a picture? i just give you an example. Uh, well, if I advance it too soon, who cares? There it is. So that, that's an example. That's one that I cut out, right? So that tree was the result of a storm. And I can carry my bike over it, but it's not fun. What I did actually for quite a while is I rode around the end of it, but I had to slow way down. And what occurred to me is this. This is what I love. Is that in this life, in this path that we're walking with the Lord, weeds grow, and we have to tend those weeds. We do that by being in the Word all the time. That's how we tend the weeds, by being in fellowship with other believers, by praying. The weeds are always going to be trying to grow. And when the weeds are dealt with, the, 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 the path is far more enjoyable. But I thought what's interesting is in our lives, there are weeds that grow every day, and then there's storms. And storms can bring down big trees. I don't, I don't get out there and find that a weed has gotten as big as that tree overnight and needs to be dealt with. It, weeds just slowly grow. But if you leave them a long time, they'll, they'll, they'll get bad. 
But storms can bring something across our path that has to be dealt with, and it can be hard. But the maintaining of that path is of great value. That's my point. The other thing I thought that was interesting is if you look at a path, if you look back at um, this, this picture, you notice there's no vegetation on the path. And nobody got out there with Roundup and put it down there. We, we know why there's no vegetation there, right? It's because of frequent use, right? And so as we walk frequently and constantly with the Lord, the path itself will stay weed-free, you know? Now, weeds are going to encroach. They're going to come in from the sides, and trees are going to fall across. But there's something about the path that, by nature, of use, of frequent use, it, 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 it prevents weeds, that, that constant walking. But here's something that I, that I just found really interesting is this. This is a place I ride a lot, Harbin's, and those are all the trails. And a lot of times what we want God to do is to provide us that map, right? But I found this interesting. Let me read Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I hadn't thought about this before. But I did tonight that God's word is not my path. It's a light for my path. It's, and it's an interesting distinction that I hadn't thought about before. It's a light for my path. And, I, and the way I think about it is each of our paths is different. God has chosen and ordained each of our paths. But his word is a light for all of us. So this is what we want. But this is what we have. God, in his wisdom sheds just enough light for the next. If he gave me the whole map, I'd go on without him, right? I mean, if I, if I had the whole map, because I want to know where I'm going. God doesn't need to tell me where I'm going. He, he's going to get me there. He knows where I'm going. And if I go where he goes, I'll, I'll be where I need to be. But, but I, I just... I think it's a, a, a neat thing that the path of my life, the Bible's not even a roadmap. It's a light. And by definition, God alone has the whole map. God alone knows the end. He knows when it ends and where it ends and what crazy twists and turns it's going to take. So, um, I'm, I'm going to... If you'll bear with me, I'll give you one more example and one more verse and we'll be done, okay? I'm, I'm, I know it's a little late. Because I'm just going to give you every one of my bike examples. But this, this just, I, it's funny. So the whole thing of e-bikes has become a thing recently. And when I first heard about e-bikes, I, um, I had this sort of attitude of, oh, those are for wimps. Those are for people who are, you know, can't ride a bike, too, too out of shape to ride a bike, and then I rode one. And then I realized that those are for people who like to go fast uphill. Those are for people who like to get up in the air going uphill as much as going downhill. I found out that e-bikes are something I want to have eventually. And here's what is so interesting about an e-bike. And it's different than a motorcycle. If you watch somebody on a motorcycle, you'll see them, you know, zipping along. When you see somebody on an e-bike, and I've, I've seen it, I saw it several times before I actually rode one. I'll be there on my bike, going up a hill, really steep, maybe three, four miles an hour. And I am sweating, and I am dying, and I am, and, and my posture and my countenance says struggle pain, and then you see somebody on an e-bike. They're also pedaling, and they're sitting upright, and they have a smile on their face, and they're, it, it, it's a bizarre look. They, it, doesn't, it looks like something's wrong with this picture. There's a, I see their face, and I see their posture, but, but they're, they're, they're passing me up this hill, and I thought, 
What an amazing picture of the Holy Spirit. An e-bike will not, the power of that motor will not be applied unless you pedal. You don't have to apply any real force, but you have to pedal. You have to actually participate. But all the work is done by the motor. And I thought, what an incredible picture that, that, that in our life, when, when, when we are powered by the Holy Spirit, people will look at us and they'll look at our circumstance and go, you should, that doesn't look right. Why aren't you in pain? Why aren't you going slow? Why aren't you grimacing? It's such an incredible picture. And it really does look absurd. If you ever see a person on an e-bike on a really steep mountain bike trail, it looks ridiculous. It literally looks ridiculous. They just have this absolutely at ease look while they're doing something that makes no sense. And that's what the the Holy Spirit does for us. He enables us to live in a way that makes absolutely no sense. But it's different than a motorcycle. You just don't turn a thing. You you move your legs. And the funny thing is the people who look at you, it kind of looks like you're doing it, but you're not. And I just thought that was such a neat picture. So let me finish with this. Let me finish with this. I read this um, in my morning reading, uh, uh, I don't know, a few months ago. And it really, it was one of those things that went in my journal. It just, and like I said, I just love it. It doesn't matter how many times you read through the word. By the way, take that word all and apply it also to all Genesis through Revelation. I highly recommend all of the word. That's another all that's really important. But as I was reading through, I came across this and Sean and I have been getting interested in camping um, and uh, enjoying that. And I read this. And I'm going to finish with this. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. So this is Joshua talking to the children of Israel, and he's not actually trying to lead them in. He's recounting what went wrong, right? He says, then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet for all that, you did not believe or you did not trust. Yet for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God. And here's what I want to read, verse 33. I, I just love this. You did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and the cloud by day. So I read that. And I thought, you know, and this is what I want. I want us to believe that God does this. I, I don't want us to be the, you did not believe the Lord your God. I want us to realize and recognize that right now, right now, for every one of us in this room, God is out ahead of us looking for the next place for us to pitch our tent. We don't, we don't have to figure that out. We, we don't have to go find the place to pitch our tent. God is out there looking for where we are going to pitch our tent next. And once he identifies where we're going to pitch our tent, he's going to lead us to it. That's what that verse says. And, and, and if I believe that, then I won't be afraid when whatever happens, and I do not, I'm not downplaying hard things that happen. I know it. But if I really believe that God, when I, I've told several people that when, 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 when Sean and I moved to Atlanta um, many years ago, we had to find a house pretty quick. And I, I had a picture in my mind that God, just in my mind, God knew my address. He knew the lot number. He knew my taxes. He knew the names of my neighbors to my right and my left. I knew none of this. But, but I thought through this picture that God, God knows every detail about where we're going to live. And it, and it calmed my heart. I, 
I still had to find it. And that's that pedaling piece. I, I, I still had to pedal, but, but God's the one who provided and guided and all that. But if we really believe that God is going out ahead of us, if he's going to guide us, if he's got us, and we, tr- and we trust him, then our blood pressure, our, our, let me say this, our heart rate will be different. Our, 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 our joy, our peace will be influenced by whether I trust him or whether I'm just trusting myself. So let's pray. Lord, I, I just, I thank you for your word and I, I, I thank you that you're trustworthy and I thank you that I just, I can't believe that you would go ahead and pick out a place for me to pitch my tent. I, I, I can't believe that the God of the, I do believe it, but I, it's, it's amazing to me that, that the God of the universe would, would pick a place for me to pitch my tent. And then, and then that the God of the universe would guide me to it and that you've gone to prepare a place for me and that you know my fears and that, it's just amazing, God. And my prayer for me tonight and for everybody in this room tonight is that you help us increase our faith, enable us to trust you practically, enable us to get on the plane and let you take us where you want to take us. Lord, help us to to trust you. And God, for me, of all of this, the hardest thing is the acknowledging. I, I, I do it in fits and spurts, Lord, but I want to acknowledge you all the time, with every breath, not on Sundays and Wednesdays or each morning, help us as, as a body at Calvary Restore and, and as individuals, help us to acknowledge you, walk with you, enjoy you, be with you constantly. Um, help us to, 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 to acknowledge you more and more every, every day the rest of our lives. Lord, I just ask you to, to and, I, and, I, and I know you'll do these things. You, you work out these things in our lives. The, all of this requires your power and your uh, doing it in us, and I just ask you to do that in, in Jesus' name.